podcast with your host, Yurik. And yes, I am truly a grandson of a pastor. Again, I'd like to thank all of my listeners for downloading the Grandson of a Pastor podcast. Uh, we are streaming on all your social media platforms. Uh, most importantly, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, Spotify. Again, I'd like to thank all of my listeners for downloading the podcast. Uh, the foundation of the Grandson of a Pastor podcast is imperfect souls on an imperfect walk, influenced by none other than our parents, grandparents, politics, politicians, and most importantly, our religious beliefs. Uh, today, we're going to have Brother Kerry Sharper, who's going to come on the podcast. Uh, he's got a unique story uh, that all is for everyone, uh, believers, non-believers. Uh, it's, a, it's a tremendous story of a comeback story uh, that you won't believe uh, in how God is continuously working uh, despite uh, any of our shortcomings. Again, if you got any suggestions of the Grandson of a Pastor podcast, uh, you can email me at edware2020 at gmail.com. Once again, that is edware, W-A-R-E, 2020 at gmail.com. Or you can send your correspondence to P.O. Box uh, 341-53, Louisville, Kentucky, 40232. Again, before uh, we jump on the podcast, I got a scripture uh, I want to read. Uh, and it comes out of Matthew 7, 1 and 2, where it says, Do not judge or you to be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Once again, that is Matthew 7 and 1 and 2, where it says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, so we got Brother Kerry Sharper that's going to come on the podcast. Uh, I'd like for you to introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and what you're currently doing uh, in our hometown of Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. And I thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ware, for allowing me to be on your podcast. My name is Kerry Sharper. I'm from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Uh, come this Sunday, Lord's will, I'll be 42 years old. Okay. Um, I come from a, a two-parent uh, two home. Uh, my parents divorced at uh, when I was six years old. You know, uh, we split time between me and my brother. We split time between my dad and my mom. You know, uh, you know, typically, you know, like I said, having both parents there, um, as I got older, you know, uh, I got off into a little trouble, you know what I'm saying? So, but we'll get off into that. But currently, you know, uh, I'm the director of the Hopkinsville No More Red Dots. Uh, no More Red Dots mean, you know, when a homicide happens, they mark your homicide with a red dot. So we are a violence prevention program. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be leading this. Like I said, this this opportunity came about. It's not something that I applied for. It's not even something that I asked for. It was just something that God provided. Uh, here it is, 2020, and here God is to answer the prayer that I've been praying since 2000. 
Gotcha. You know, so, so so sometimes, you know what I'm saying, you just got to keep watering them seeds, man. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? Even yeah. though when things don't look like they're going to come about, you got to keep putting water on them seeds and that, and, your, and that water is your faith. You can't never give up no matter what things look like. You can't give up on it. So I'm just thankful for the opportunity and I'm looking forward to to really just taking this program to another level. I have a good a good team, a good strong team that's with me. Yes. And we're, and we're just looking to, you know, really make a uh, make a name in Hopkinsville and really do something for our youth to uh, to have our youth to understand that there's people pulling for them. You know, yeah. you don't have to be in the street making bad decisions. You can make other uh, choices with your life. You know what I'm saying? So we just try to provide different avenues that the youth can choose instead of trying to choose the wrong path. Got gotcha. you. Uh, so you said you came up in a two-parent comb. Uh, uh, did your background, uh, was it based in Christian? Uh, did, did you go to church a lot? Because I know uh, me, me being the uh, grandson of a pastor, uh, we went to church uh, awfully lot. And yes, uh, being a grandson of a pastor, that doesn't mean I didn't stray away. Uh, just talk about some of you, like your upbringing. Did you, uh, was you in faith uh, growing up or did you find it later in life? Or did you, you know, a, a lot of people got a different stories when they talk about their faith. Growing up, yes, we, uh, yes, I attend the church regularly. Uh, my dad was a Sunday school teacher. Uh, you know, just my grandparents, they always taught me, you know what I'm saying? You always pray. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You always try to make sure you say your prayers before you go to sleep. So that, uh, that was instilled in me, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm, I'm thankful it was because later on in life when I found myself in situations that I didn't know how to get out of, I knew where to turn to. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, and even, and even then, as I got older, though, growing up in church, even though uh, you would pray every day or, you know, you always have questions like, is God really real? Yes. You know, uh because it, when you're younger, you're going through stuff and you're praying about stuff, but you really don't, you really can't understand what it is that you're asking for. You really can't even understand uh, what you're asking God to do. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you don't even really know how to be thankful when he gives it to you because you really don't even see it. So it was, it was fu it's funny because as I got older and before I got off into the trouble that I got off into, I was thinking about, turned into a different uh religion yeah you know and uh, i mean i was thinking heavily about it because of the people that i was spending time with at the time you know so i'm like well maybe this is for me you know that's what i'm thinking like well maybe this right here is for me yeah so uh so as i continue to ponder on it i'm i'm thankful now that i didn't i didn't have a chance to change <laughs> my faith just put yeah. To like it. It, 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 I'm definitely thankful. Gotcha. So talk about you, you said you got a team of people that's working alongside of you. If you want to, can you elaborate on your team that you got, and also how uh, we in, in different communities can can reach out because no matter where we at around the world, we are experiencing some of the same things that's going on uh, in our hometown. So could you talk about a little bit about your team and and how they came about? And uh, then we're going to dive off into your story. Definitely, definitely. Okay, I have a team right now consisted of eight people. But right now we're going to start off with a, a good strong six and add uh, two additional, you know, as we go. Yeah. But I have a team. Uh, my executive director is Angelique Victor. You know, uh, she uh, her passion comes from 
being in this program. She lost a son to gun violence. You know, uh, she uh, she was at a point in her life to where she said she was just ready to give up after after her son died. She didn't have a motivation for anything. And she said, once I uh, came to her with this, uh, about this program, you know, it just sparked life in her because it gave her a chance to really give back. It gave her a chance to help other uh, mothers that that have experienced what she's going through, you know, uh, and that's the loss of a child. My other team members, I have uh, Maurice Miller. Maurice Miller, uh, he's a a man, an older man that got in trouble as as a young man did some federal time, but ever since uh, Mr. Miller has been home, Mr. Miller has turned himself into an entrepreneur. So that is something that he can give the kids, you know, uh, uh, just the knowledge of being able to make your own money or maybe to start your own business. You know, that's something that that I want to add into into my program. I also have uh, Greg Arnold, uh, Mr. Greg Arnold, uh, he's a older man as well. Mr. Greg Arnold ran the streets as a younger man, did prison time, where ever since Mr. Arnold has been home, he's uh, he's a preacher, he's been working, he's been out of, out of the streets, you know, just to turn his life around. And those are the people that I want these young men and women to see. You know, I uh, also have his brother, Tony Arnold. Tony Arnold, same thing, OG. Yes. Uh, you know, just being able to give the, these young men and women a game. You know, uh, I have uh, Pastor Chris Wilson. Same thing. Yeah. Street life, turn his life around, and he's a pastor. You see what I'm saying? It's just some, it's role models that these young men and women can look up to. It's not people that's just telling them uh, what we read out of a book. We giving them real life experiences. You understand what I'm saying? I have uh, Mr. Junior McKnight. Mr. Junior McKnight uh, served time in prison as a young man. Yeah. Came home, uh, went back to prison, got out of prison was in a train wreck that could have ended his life. Right. But when, when the train wreck happened, I sent somebody a message that was uh, close to him and I let them know, I said, God has his hand on Mr. McKnight because we have work to do. Yeah. And this was like four or five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are today, you know, getting ready to do work. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And my other team members is Mr. Um, Jamie Williams and uh, Denitra Level. And both of them add a lot to the program. Uh, Mr. Jamie Williams, he works in the school system. Uh, he's been working with these kids that we're going to be running into. Uh, uh, Miss Miss Level, she lost a, a uncle to gun violence. So the passion is there. You know, it, uh, it's the real. passion. Yeah, it's real. Uh, and, and we are very dedicated to changing the narrative. And if anybody out there would like to get in contact with me or just maybe make do- donations to our calls, you can you can contact me at c a r y dot s h a r b e r the number two at gmail dot com. You can also call me on my personal phone at two seven zero three zero five one eight four four, and you can just you can get in contact with me uh, through Facebook. You can get on my Facebook page, and my Facebook. Uh, Facebook page is my name, Carrie Sharber, C-A-R-Y-S-H-A-R-B-E-R. You will see three three pages, but you go with the one that, that uh, where you see the no more red dots in the background. That's my main page right now. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about uh, your your story. Uh, I know prior to, uh, we, we, we did a recording, but and we kind of 
gave a background of everything that no one else heard. So talk about how uh, you was introduced to the streets and how uh, the first time you had a brush with the law. Okay. Um, back in 1996, uh, one of me and my, uh, one of my best friends, we, uh, we was going with sisters, took a trip to Atlanta. Yes. And, uh, once we got to Atlanta before we came back, you know, uh, we was there for the whole weekend before we came back, you know, uh, me and him both, we was presented with the same choice. Do we want to sell drugs? You know, and, uh, both of us, of course, at the time, we said yes, but before we left, you know, my friend, he said, you know, this is not for me. He didn't want to do it. I went ahead and proceeded to take <laughs> to take the drugs because I wanted to make some money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Even though it wasn't my life, you know, just seeing other young men in the neighborhood have money, other young men in the neighborhood, you know, you see them having things, and you're like, oh, look, I want that. Yes. You know, so I, I, I took it. Yes. And once... Uh, once I got back to Hopkinsville, you know, that was, that's when I started, you know, my, I guess you want to say so-called street life career. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's when I uh, got to really got into selling drugs. And once I really got into selling drugs, I can, I seen, now I see that everything else came along with it far as uh, the trouble, far as uh, my brush-ins with the law, far as just having beef on the streets, you know, just because I had money or I had a car or I can dress a certain way, you know. Uh, so in 19, uh, in 96, I uh, end up catching this, uh, catching a little charge, a little petty charge. Then uh, my senior year in high school, I end up catching the first degree assault charge. You know, I was very hot-headed as a young man, yeah. short, short fuse. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My senior year at Christian County High School, I get into it. Uh, well, I get into a verbal uh, disagreement with this girl. I'm trying to tell her to leave me alone. She, she was not leaving me alone. I get up, throw a chair all the way across the room. Yeah. Not trying, not trying to hit her, but the chair hit her. You see yeah. what I'm saying? So now. I got to take accountability for what happened. You know, I can't say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, my fault. It's too yeah. late. You yeah. see what I'm saying? I got to think about that before you commit to your actions. Correct. Do that. So like I said, this is my senior year. So I had to go to the principal's office and allow my mom to come up there and watch the police come into the high school and handcuff her son and lead her son out of the high school yeah. to, the, to the Christian County Jail. Yes. So that stay right there, it was like my, it was like the beginning of my pitfall. You know, uh, even though uh, I had a, uh, I had a Mr. Cavanaugh who knew me as a child, he allowed me to come to alternative school to graduate still. You know, I didn't, I didn't miss out on getting my diploma. I was still allowed to graduate. But right after I graduated, I found myself in more trouble. Yes. I ended up with a, a attempted murder charge, man. The guy got into it, put a gun to my head. I ended up shooting the guy, you know. Uh, but, you know, once I, when I look at, at stuff like this, like if I never even started packing a gun, stuff like that don't even come to you. Yeah. The only time, the only time stuff like that comes to you is when you're out here in the streets, you pick up a gun and you're looking to use it because yeah. that's the energy you're drawing to yourself, you know. Right. So, so catch your charge. 
it wasn't even five months later, man, I found myself right back in the Christian County Jail. This time I'm facing a murder charge, okay? 20 years old, just graduated. You know, I haven't been out that long. Uh, like I said, uh, just graduated. Uh, well, I, yeah, I had just graduated a year a year uh, prior. So now you gotta think. I'm 20 years old. I'm sitting in I'm sitting in the Christian County Jail, facing at the time just one murder charge. Okay. Yes. So I'm sitting in this jail, facing this charge. Then probably about a month and a half later, they bring me another charge. It's another murder charge. Then this time they got robbery attached to it. Yeah. So now they making so now I got two counts of murder and a uh, robbery charge. That's a death penalty case at yes. the age of twenty. Twenty. Okay. Twenty years old, death penalty case. Yes. So you got to imagine, you know, being in a small town, everybody feel like they know your business, everybody feel like they know what's gonna happen to you. So you you you're from Hoptown, so you already know how the rumors go. You know how people yes. talk. Yes, absolutely. So so let everybody tell it, you know, well, this is was the end of Kerry. You know, uh, we'll never see him again. It's over. I mean, even just to be honest with you, even my own family felt like it. I yes. mean, we just we just been real, you know. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I heard the same thing. I heard the same thing. <laughs> so uh and you and you got to think. I even heard, you know, just just hearing my mom say at times, uh well, baby, you just got to get it in your head that you're not coming home again, and yeah. you know that didn't that didn't like no, <laughs> you know <laughs> because hard it's hard to register. Right, like it's it's like and and then right then and there though, I had to had to stop and think like, this is the time if God is real, I need you to show me that you're real. Yeah. Okay. And it was like, once I was incarcerated, it was like right then and there that God had showed me like, this right here was ordained. It's, I wasn't arrested, but I was rescued because yeah. what I was doing in the streets, I was getting ready to destroy myself and I was getting around, and I was getting ready to allow the devil to take me out of here before yeah. God can use me. So God had to sit me down in that jail to keep me safe. Yes. Okay. So just, the the very first day that I was incarcerated, uh, woke up at next morning. I was looking up at the ceiling, and it was almost like God was showing me a movie, a movie, a movie of my life, and all the times that He had His hands on me. Yeah. And it, I'm talking about you talking about something that just sent chills down my whole body. Just seeing all the times like you, this the devil wanted you, but I had you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, I'm a fast forward. Uh, I was like I said, I was incarcerated. Uh, 1999. It was May 2nd of 1999. So I'm gonna fast forward it to February 7th, 2001. I'm still in the Christian County Jail. Okay. Yes. This day is is significant because this is the day that I received the Holy Spirit in the Christian County Jail, in yes. in a uh, church service one night. And like I said, uh, if anybody have ever received the Holy Ghost, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it's just, you can't control your body. You know, it's, it's a praise beyond the praise. Yes. And, and, and after that night, the very next morning when I woke up, it was like God was waiting for me to wake up. And 
When I woke up, I heard a voice tell me, now that you receive my spirit, you can go home. Now you got to think now, I'm facing the death penalty. Yeah, See what I'm saying? Think going on. You think you going on? Yeah. So I jump up. I, I'm talking about as soon as I heard, I jump up, ran to the phone. After I, I thought I heard this, call my mama. Mama, mama, I know I'm coming home. I know I'm coming home. So, you know, I'm telling her on the end, and her thing is, well, baby, uh, I hope so. You know, that's it. Yes. She, she, not, not, not the excitement that I had, but see, right then and there, I learned that she didn't hear what I heard. God so, didn't tell. God didn't tell her what He told me. Yes. You see what I'm saying? See, that's why the that's why the Bible tell says according to your faith, it doesn't have nothing to do with nobody else. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So right, so right then and there, God was gonna see that is He gonna fold. Or is he going to keep continuing with me? Because, you know, my mom is a big influencer. Oh, you know? That's, so, that's, 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 <laughs> that's everything. Right. So mama don't feel like it's going to happen. Like, oh, man. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. so uh, 2003, I'll fast forward to 2003. Uh, it's getting down to now I'm getting ready to go to trial. My mom had put up, my mom at the time had put up all her belongings, everything that she had ever worked hard for, her home, her savings, everything to give me these lawyers, okay? Yes. These were supposed to be the best lawyers out of Louisville that money could buy. Yeah. All right? <laughs> so, being, by these being the best lawyers that money supposedly buy, I let them know right then and there when I first met them, I don't know what my mama gave you, I don't know what she paid you. I just let them know. I said, but if God don't do it, it won't be done. I let them know. I'm talking about the very first day I met them. I let them know this. Yes. So, uh, going fast forward to the to when I'm getting posted, getting ready to go to trial. Yeah. And uh, I had been praying. They they told me that my final offer that I was going to get was 17 years at 85. percent That was that was the lowest I was going to be able to get it. That's it, and that's all. If I didn't take the 17 years at 85%, that I was going to end up uh, with the, uh, getting death, okay, or possibly life. Yeah. So I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm asking God, like, okay, God, if it's your will that I get this time, then so be it. I just got to deal with it, you know? Yeah. So I'm praying, I'm praying, and eventually God led me to Psalm 46 and 10. And Psalm 46 and 10 says, be still and know that I am God and I will exalt you. Okay? Yes. So, so I go see my lawyers and uh, they're telling me, you know, you need to take this deal, this deal, and all of this is the best it's going to get. So they tell me, after, after everything they told me about, this is the best, this is the best deal I'm going to get. This is what I need to do. They tell me, well, I tell you what you need to do. Whoever you've been talking to in that cell, go ask them what you should do because evidently they know more than what we do. Yeah. And the reason why he said it, because I, I everything, I prayed about everything. Yeah. And, 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 and you know when you pray and ask God for wisdom, for knowledge and understanding, you're going to get that. <laughs> you're going to get that. So, you know, I, I constantly pray for that. And when they told me to go back to myself and talk to whoever I've been talking to with all this knowledge, I busted out laughing. 
And, you know, they looked at me like, okay, so what's so funny? And I'm like, I already did it. And it was like, and what they said, I said, God told me don't take it. And when I said that God said don't take it, they got offended. Yeah. Like, like what? Like, yeah. God's not getting ready to save you. God's not going to crack this guy just for you. Like, it was like, we're going to court. We're not going to church. I was just like, wow. But once that was taking place, it, it reminded me of this dream that I had prior, maybe two years prior to even this meeting where I had this little baby in my hand. And we're in the mall. And, I'm, and we're walking through the mall. And all of a sudden, two gunmen get to shooting at us. Yes. Now, now, can you imagine trying to run from gunmen with a child in your hand and you ducking and trying to dodge bullets? So I'm ducking and dodging bullets and the gunmen, they're only shooting at me. They ain't shooting at nobody else in this mall. The mall is packed yeah. and they only shooting at me and this baby. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sitting there trying to understand like, okay, what? And I'm telling the baby the whole time, like, don't cry, don't cry. It's okay. God is going to save us. I promise. Don't cry. Don't cry. It's okay. God is going to save us. This is what I'm telling the baby this whole time. Okay. Eventually, yeah. we get out of danger. And I, I used to always call this woman. Her name is Linda Avery. I call her my spiritual mom. Because, man, she's, she, I'm talking about a prayer warrior. And I called and I asked, I said, uh, Miss Linda, what does this dream mean? And she was like, well, baby, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure God will give it to you in due time. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm going to take you back to my lawyer box where they offer me this deal, okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Remember I told you in the dream it was two gunmen, right? Yes. Okay. Two lawyers. Two lawyers. Yeah. Okay? So we sit, we sitting in the, we sitting in the lawyer box, and they tell me what I need to do. And the family, when I told them about what God said, that's when they started attacking me. Okay? But y'all supposed to be on my side. But yeah. you attacking me because I'm telling you what God said. <laughs> So they get the throwing the pictures of the crime scene, uh, of the crime scene at me like, this is what they're gonna see, this is what they're gonna see, this is what they're gonna see. So I, you know, I'm just like, okay. I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm, I'm still standing on what God said. Yes. Okay. So after that ordeal was over with, now I'm, then let me put the dream into in, into into reality for you real quick. Okay. Now, I'm in the jail, right? Yes. Now, the, now the mall, remember I said the mall was crowded. Yes. The jail is crowded. <laughs> remember I said I'm the only one. Seemed like I'm the only one they were shooting at. Yeah. I'm the only one they were shooting at. You see what I'm saying? Well, nobody up under this much pressure. So, what I figured out was, well, I kept trying to figure out, well, what did the baby mean? What did the baby mean? What does God say that we need? Childlike faith. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Absolutely. So there you go. So, <laughs> so in order to really believe God, you got to have childlike faith. You see yeah. what I'm saying? So, and in and in or in, in uh, Hebrews ten and six tell us, in order it says it is impossible. Yes. It is impossible to please God without faith. Okay. Yeah. So now. When you're talking about faith, you got to have childlike faith and you got to have faith. Yeah. Okay. So I got this child. I'm telling this child, everything's going to be okay. God, God's going to get us out of here. But I'm really, I'm, I'm the child talking to myself. Yes. <laughs> because I got to have that childlike faith in this situation. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I'm saying that God is going to get us out of here, that's exactly what he did. You yeah. know, because 
Uh, I didn't take the 17 years, 85%. Of course, my lawyers called me crazy. They called me all type of names under the sun. The very next day, they called me, uh, they had the, uh, the CEOs call me over the intercom, tell me call my lawyers, call my lawyers. He get on the phone, man, look like you did the right thing. Well, you know, I wasn't trying to be cocky, but I call it God for this. You know what I'm saying? When you got belief in God and you, and you believe God can do any and everything, I call it God for this. You know what I'm saying? It's not confidence, it's God for this. I, I just, I just got Young word. I just, <laughs> yeah, you know, I just got I got confidence in God. You feel yeah. me? Yeah. So, so when I, I told them, I'm like, well, I knew that idea. So when they told me that, they was like, okay, they offering you ten years at eighty five percent now. So the spirit told me to tell them I wanted time out on the streets. So yeah. I tell my wife, I said, look, okay, I want time out on the streets now. So of course, I got to be crazy again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they was like, man, you gone too far. That, 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 they're not going to do that. This, that, no, because they looking at everything that I was facing. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, end up going to court. Well, they never, uh, they never even agreed to, to, for me to get out on the streets. You see what I'm saying? Right. I even heard the prosecutor tell my lawyer on the phone when they called him, like, nah, bro, no. This, we're not doing this, you know what I'm saying? Like, no. Yeah, yeah. So I, I go to court, sign, went ahead and signed a plea agreement, and if you ever dealt with the court system, once you sign that plea agreement, if if it's not in that plea agreement, it's over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is what you're stuck with. Yeah. I, st I stand in front of Judge White. He read out the plea agreement, tell me how much time uh, time I had. Then after, after he said, tell me how much time I had, he asked me, like, do you need anything? And I and and you know, I was like, what? Yeah. So I looked at my lawyer like, man, tell him, tell him what we want. You know what I'm saying? And my lawyer, he was scared to say it because you know it's it, it was that was unfamiliar territory for anybody. The right. charges that I'm facing, like, come on, they don't consider they, they consider you a threat to society, they're not gonna let you out. Yeah. So I tell my lawyer, tell him what I want. So he, he tell Judge White, he, he, his first offer was, well, let him get 30 days on the streets. He shot for the minimum. When my lawyer said that, Judge White asked him again, I said, tell me what he wants. Yeah. I was like, whoa. You know, I'm like, is he serious right now? Yeah. So, so eventually I ended up with 74 days on the streets. No money put up. Only yeah. thing that was required was my mom and dad to sign a signature, put their signature on the dotted line. That was it. Yeah. So I was I was released for 74 days uh on those charges but it was bittersweet because when I uh came home you know I found out that my grandma my grandma was terminally ill with cancer and I just thank God that you know what I'm saying I was able to spend her, uh those 74 days with her you yeah. know uh Absolutely. Yeah. so yes yes, I, yes, yes. so I was definitely I was definitely thankful for that you know because I was able to take care of her you know, just able to just to really be there for her, you know, so that that I was definitely thankful for. So just just having faith. Yes. And knowing that God can mm -hmm. was was key. You know, uh, if you look, if you turn to Mark 11, 23 and 24, yes. and uh, it, it tells you about speaking to your mountain. It, it tells you about whatever you ask for, you shall receive if you believe. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, it, and, and, and when it tell you that you shall receive what you believe, if you believe it, it gives you an illustration in there. And it's talking about a mountain. Now, look how big mountains are, man. Yeah. Now, the Bible is telling you that you got the power to tell a mountain to be thou removed into the sea, and it shall be. Now, think about that. Yeah. However, so what type of power do we really have? <laughs> a lot so, of power. Exactly. A lot so of power. Come on now. My, mount, my mountain was the death penalty. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So everybody else was looking at the mountain and seeing that it couldn't be and thought that it couldn't be removed. But yes. I'm looking at the mountain and taking what God told me because God told me that with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Yeah. And that's who I put my trust in, my belief in. I never trusted man. Yeah. And I thank God that I didn't because he made a way when they said that he couldn't. Gotcha. So let, let me ask you this. I, I know I, I want this, this podcast to be a, a lesson to young men out there. Talk about, you know, you have to do some time in, in the penitentiary. A lot mm -hmm. of times they glorify these penitentiary things. Talk about, I saw you talk, you know, on some of your Facebook lives and some of your time when you talk to kids. Give a true illustration. Because I want this, I want people and young men to know that penitentiary life is not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's no game. You know what I mean? Tell, you know, talk about that penitentiary life and let them know what, what it really is. Man, that penitentiary life, man, you talking about, you talking about something, if you're not strong mentally, yes. it, it will definitely break you all the way down. Yeah. And what I mean by break you all the way down is if you're not strong mentally, when you get in there, I've seen a lot of men take medication just to deal with what goes on inside the penitentiary. Yes. Uh, my introduction, you know, every, if you, before you get to the penitentiary, you have to go to what they call the Rotary Farm, which is located in Louisville. So once I got, once I got to the Rotary Farm, it's, 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 they call it the fish tank. And can you imagine just walking into this big old place and you got these CEOs, and you know, you got some barber chairs lined up. And if you got if you got dreadlocks or any type her, they not gonna they not gonna give you a nice fade or none of that. They just gonna take them clippers and yin 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 yin. And whatever come off, that's what come off. And whatever your head look like, that's what it looked like. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, you know. And I'm going to tell you right here, this is what broke me. And this is what I always tell the kids. This is what broke me and told me never again in life do I ever want to be locked up. Once you go through the haircut process, they take you into a big shower room. Now you're in this big shower room with probably about 30, 40 other men that you got to strip down butt naked yeah. in front of now. And after you just strip down butt naked, in front of all these men, you still got other men standing behind you, looking at you everything. One of the requirements is that you got to bend down and spread them. Yes. And if you understand, if you, if you know what I mean by spread them, <laughs> I mean your cheeks to make yes. sure you ain't brought nothing near. Going through that right there, that was a, that, that right, you talking about feeling less than, man. Yes. 
you talking about something that great as a human. And, and, and after that right there, I told myself, never again do I ever want to put myself back in this situation. And, I, and, and to this day, man, I do not understand how men go in and out, in and out, knowing this is the process that you got to go through. Uh, once I got to the penitentiary, I was, I was located in Eastern Kentucky uh, Correctional Complex. And one of the things that got me was the gas that I used to see on the streets that I used to think was tough or the real gangsters or whatever. Yeah. And you see them in the penitentiary, they are not those guys. Yeah. <laughs> see, there's no guns in the penitentiary. That's the thing people fail to realize. There are no guns in there. Yeah. So a lot of those tough guys aren't tough anymore. Yeah. Then you see a lot of tough guys turn into other men girlfriends. Yeah. You know, uh, so just just seeing stuff like that and, and these young men not understanding that this is reality. Yes. You know, and I mean I, I hate to to uh maybe ruin some of some of these young men uh gangster dreams. Yeah, fantasy. But uh a lot of uh, yeah, but a lot of your so called gangsters aren't gangsters. Yes. You know, they are really pranksters. Yeah. You know, and, and that's and that's what I'll that's and I I see that now. And I'm just like, wow, all this time that we've been out in the streets, you can hide who you really are in the streets. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But once you get behind that wall, the true you is exposed. Yeah. Because there's no guns in there. Uh, there's no uh, the fancy clothes, the car. I, no, none of that's there. Yeah. You are who you are when you're in there. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I started your podcast off as saying, uh, talking about me and my friend, right? Yeah, talk to us okay, about so, that. So let me tell the young men why I start why I started with the choices. Yes. And I'm gonna break it down for y'all real quick. I, I I always start my talk off with me and my friend making these choices. And and I always let people know that he said no, that it wasn't his lifestyle, because I'm going listen to this real quick. Remember, I said yes, he said no. I went to the penitentiary, he went to the army. When I was getting out the penitentiary, he was getting ready to retire out the army. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ain't that something? Come on, <laughs> come on, man. You, do you hear me? Yes. Do you hear me? Yes. So while I'm right right now, I'm trying to get my life on track. You know, yes. because of the the detour that I took. His life has been on track because of the choice that he d decided to make by being true to himself. Yes. You see what I'm saying? He was true to himself by not taking those drugs. And his life has been rewarded for that. He, 20 years in the army, he's out, retired, married, got a, a, a beautiful home, yeah. you know, beautiful vehicles, nice family, you know? And that all that comes from what? Making the right choice. Making the right choice, that's it. You understand what I'm saying? So yes. any young man or young woman that's listening to this, your choices matter. You might think it won't affect you then, but it will. And yeah. it and it can set you back in life. Everybody don't everybody don't get a chance to come back like I came back. You right. know, uh everybody don't get a chance to say that I, I faced the death penalty and now I'm getting all these opportunities. In 2018. I was a recipient of a Hopkinsville uh, Mayor Unity Award. Yeah, you know, uh, 
I had a thing in, in Hopkinsville uh, that I started called the Southside Challenge. Uh, and with the Southside Challenge, uh, I created my slogan, you can't spell community without the unity. Yeah. You know, you, you got to have the unity within the community if it's going to be a community. Yeah. You know, so my work, my work with that, I'm, uh, like I said, it, it got me the MERS, uh, the MERS Unity Award, uh, it, it, and it just and it just put me on the map for for my community is just being a community leader, just somebody that wants to be active in the community, because I understand that a lot of these kids out here are trying to live make believe lives, and they are losing their lives trying to be cool. Yeah. And I and I don't want to see any more young men and women lose their lives over something that can be avoided. Yeah. You know, uh being in the streets is a choice. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Uh picking up a gun and wanting to use it is a choice. Yes. And you also have the choice to do something differently. Yes. And 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 that's my prayer for every young man and woman that's that's faced with choices of wanting to do something wrong, choose differently. Be like my friend. Have a beautiful life. Don't go through the, uh, don't go through, uh, go down the road that I took yeah, because everybody don't come a, back. A 20-year detour. 20 I'm telling years. you. Yeah, 20-year detour. Again, you listen to the Grandson of a Pastor podcast with your host, Yurik. I'd like to thank Brother Sharber again uh, for coming on, giving his testimony. Uh, giving the story to the kids, uh, schooling us older uh, Christians also because, again, in, that, in, in the scripture that I read, uh, not to be judgmental. Uh, uh, before I let Brother Sharper come off the podcast, again, I want him to give his contact information. Uh, he has a powerful story. He's got a powerful team that's working with him uh, because we want to spread this unity in the community all over uh, the world. Uh, and also, we want to continue to support uh, the, the Red Dots uh, Foundation with Brother Kerry uh, Sharber. So I want you to give your contact information again uh, so we can support you uh, financially. Uh, then we're going to let you close us out in prayer. All right. You can, you can get in contact with me once again. Uh, my, my email is Kerry, C-A-R-Y dot S-H-A-R. B-E-R, the number two at gmail.com. You can reach me at my phone number 270-305-1844. I also have Cash App. Uh, yeah. My Cash yeah. App is on is under Unity. You know, you can put in my phone number and Unity will pop up if, if you would like to support us that way. But we're, everything that will be given to me, I give back to my community. You know, uh, I had a Unity in, in the community picnic that turned out maybe about 700 people, man. Uh, you know, the politicians, I mean, like everybody just came together. It was a beautiful thing. So uh, I, I, it's so much that I would like to do for my community, especially the kids and just back, it's just about giving hope, you know? Yes. So you, you can reach me that way. Story. You got a powerful story, man. A comeback story that not like no other, you know what I mean? I appreciate like, that. Like no other. And again, like I say, uh, I'm happy to hopefully, if God willing, as you said at the beginning, you'll be celebrating your 42 year uh, birthday. I just turned 43 about a month or so ago. So I uh, right okay. There. Yeah, we right there uh, in age. So uh, I want you to go ahead and close us out in prayer. All right, I will do. 
My Heavenly Father, we come unto you tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's name. Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have just to have breath in our bodies today, Father God. I ask, Father God, that you just watch over everyone, Father God, in the world, Father God. I don't care the color, Father God, because you don't care. You made us all, Father God. And Father God, I just ask that, that you just cover those, Father God, that is facing COVID, Father God. I just pray, Father God, that COVID will come to a cease, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that things will return to normalcy, Father God, in our communities, Father God, in our world, Father God. I just pray for the children, Father God, that's fatherless. I pray for the children that's motherless, Father God. I pray for those that don't have shelter, Father God, that don't have food, Father God. I just pray, Father God, that you restore hope, Father God, and that you restore faith where it was lost. And Father God, we're just thankful for everything that you have been because you are King of Kings, Father God. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. Amen.